0: A warm welcome to our Wednesday worship podcast for Manifield Church. Thank you for joining us today. In this short series on the Psalms, we have met God who cares, forgives, and answers. Today we will consider Psalm 73, and God who corrects. We will listen for what God has to say to us through His Word this day. As the Epistle of John says, We know that the Son of God has come and given us understanding to know the true God. Let's join our hearts in minds and prayer. O God of creation, your glory is all around and within us. We pray you open our eyes to your wonders and grow our faith in you. Your creation speaks of your amazing creativity Days that are beginning to turn toward autumn with just a hint of chill in the air. Gardens still full of color and vegetables and fruits beginning to ripen. We can see you in the most everyday of things, if only we take time to look. Everyday things can also lead us astray. Try as we might, we cannot be perfect. And we come to you to acknowledge our mistakes and the things we have left undone. We have sharp tongues. We lack patience when we must wait for others. We do not pick up the rubbish that blows across our path. We do not act justly towards others. We are not generous with your love. Forgive us. Give us strength to choose the right path. We rely on the assurance of your grace and rejoice in the gift of your Son to teach us more about you and to show us your boundless love. Thank you for the opportunity to come before you and to receive your forgiveness. Almighty God, you have taught us that without love, all our doings are worth nothing. We pray today that your Holy Spirit will correct us By pouring love into our hearts, love that is the bond of peace and all goodness, love that helps us to be the people you intended us to be, help us to respond to your guiding hand, and give us ears to hear and hearts to follow your will. Amen. Psalm 73 from the New English Translation. A Psalm by Asaph Certainly God is good to Israel and to those whose motives are pure. But as for me, my feet almost slipped, my feet almost slid out from under me, for I envied those who are proud, as I observed the prosperity of the wicked, for they suffer no pain, Their bodies are strong and well-fed. They are immune to the trouble common to men. They do not suffer as other men do. Arrogance is their necklace, and violence covers them like clothing. Their prosperity causes them to do wrong. Their thoughts are sinful. They mock and say evil things. They proudly threaten violence. They speak as if they rule in heaven and lay claim to the earth. Therefore they have more than enough food to eat and even suck up the water of the sea. They say, How does God know what we do? Is the Most High aware of what goes on? Take a good look. This is what the wicked are like, those who always have it so easy and get richer and richer. I concluded, Surely, in vain, I have kept my motives pure and maintained a pure lifestyle. I suffer all day long and am punished every morning. If I had publicized these thoughts, I would have betrayed your people. When I tried to make sense of this, it was troubling to me. Then I entered the precincts of God's temple and understood the destiny of the wicked. Surely you put them in slippery places. You bring them down to ruin. How desolate they become in a mere moment. Terrifying judgments make their demise complete. They are like a dream after one wakes up. O Lord, when you are awake, you will despise them. Yes, my spirit was bitter and my insides felt sharp pain. I was ignorant and lacked insight. I was as senseless as an animal before you. But I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me by your wise advice, and then you will lead me to a position of honor. Whom do I have in heaven but you? On earth there is no one I desire but you. My flesh and my heart may grow weak, but God always protects my heart and gives me stability. Yes, look, those far from you die. You destroy everyone who is unfaithful to you. But as for me, God's presence is all I need. I have made the Sovereign Lord my shelter as I declare all the things that you have done. Perhaps you are familiar with one of my favorite hymns, Be Thou My Vision. The last verse goes like this, Be thou my wisdom, and thou my true word, I ever with thee, and thou with me, Lord, Heart of mine own heart, whatever befall, Still be my vision, O ruler of all. The words in that hymn point to the final verses of Psalm 73 and solidifies this psalm as a classic for prayer and contemplation. Psalm 73 may not be as familiar to you as the previous psalms we've considered in this series, but Walter Brighamman describes this psalm as the most remarkable and satisfying of all the psalms. It's worth spending some time with it. This psalm begins with an attribution to Asaph, who's probably the person who sang it. Like our previous psalms, according to Calvin, the author of this psalm was probably David. Other commentators are not so certain, and argue that authorship is not the focus. But instead, we should concentrate on how the psalm was read in worship, and particularly to consider how the psalm is not locked. one particular setting in history. The psalm uses first-person language throughout in what might be thought of as private reflection, but it was probably used collectively in worship. The words provide hearers in the psalmist's community with guidance and insight that will help them when they face the problem of disparity between faith and experience. Or, to put it another way, when we experience disorientation between what we believe God teaches us and what we see in the world. Instead of relating a particular individual's expression, reading the psalm becomes a corporate act with real and personal language, making it just as relevant to our generation as to the Israelites living in the 5th century before the birth of Christ. This psalm defies categorization and has been considered a psalm of disorientation, a teaching psalm of instruction, and a psalm of thanksgiving. Each term is applicable, especially as today we are considering the God who corrects. Often, in a learning situation, when we're corrected, we experience disorientation, and when we are reoriented, then we can express thanks for that great goodness. This psalm presents an individual who struggles against God and has been delivered from his trouble through a wonderful communion with God. The message and the mystery of the psalm lie in its transition from bitterness and estrangement in verses 2 and 3 to pure devotion to God at the psalm's conclusion. The psalm becomes an expression of of an act of faith for the earliest believers. Our psalmist is not happy, tormented even in verses 3 to 14. Why do the bad people seem to get on so well in the world? In vain I have kept my heart pure, all day long I have been afflicted, says the psalmist. The writer is suffering from envy, from those wicked ones who are prosperous and greedy. The wicked are self-absorbed and defy, despise, or ignore the one true God. The psalmist almost slips, desiring to be like the wicked, which could be described as the abandonment of religious faith and loyalty. The psalmist needs to be reorientated, and two things happen, one in the community and one in the sanctuary. The psalmist gets to verse 15 and realizes sharing the conclusions reached about the wicked with his faith community is not an option. Having a bond with God is also a bond with our fellow worshipers. Our translation uses the word betrayed in verse 15 when the psalmist says, If I had spoken of these things, I would have betrayed your children. In our worshiping community, We can support each other just by being community. This reassures us. We as a community hold each other up by hearing the word of God together. Knowing that the community is there can help us make decisions that bring us closer to God. And the psalmist enters the sanctuary. In verses 16 to 20, we have to consider the judgment of God. There's disagreement about whether this applies solely to judgment in this world or if we're being asked to consider judgment beyond death. Regardless, when this judgment occurs, the psalmist recognizes that the error was not God's. The error was a sign of the poverty of knowledge about God. We get caught up in our human projections of God and our understanding becomes shaped by the world. Recognizing this opens us up to God's correction so that, like the psalmist, we can confess and give God the glory in thanksgiving. God is always working to correct our perceptions. Perhaps my favorite word in this whole psalm is the almost in the second stanza. But for me, my feet had almost stumbled. The psalmist speaks of avoiding near disaster, and God's correcting hand was there. We know that the psalmist will not stumble, but will remain true, so we can read on through the psalm with assurance, knowing no matter what happens in the middle, it will turn out good in the end. Life is like that. When we confess to be Christians, we're not suddenly perfect, leading a charmed life. We will be tempted and we will make errors, but we trust that we must rely on God's steadying influence. God can correct our misconceptions through self-revelation to us. This self-revelation happens in many ways. We have revelation when we study the scriptures, go to worship, and spend time in God's presence. This psalm asks us to reorient ourselves toward God, to develop a new understanding of the self by being in God's presence. Verse 21 When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. Yet And that yet is the key. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. Throughout the whole ordeal, God is holding us in his right hand as a correcting father and is continually with us. God reaches out to us first. God calls us to be in relationship, a God who cares and corrects for us a God who lets us know that estrangement means ruin. Separation is wasting away of flesh and heart. This is what happens when we worship idols rather than the true God. The psalmist, who is consumed with not understanding the success of the worldly, is reorientated when he here enters into the presence of God, and he can see where reality truly lies. Verse 28 But as for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Sovereign Lord my refuge. I will tell of all your deeds. That is my prayer for you today, that you know God's goodness and have made God your refuge, giving us confidence to share God's wonders with others who need God's guiding counsel. Amen. Please join with me now in the prayers for intercession. Lord, our God, creator of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible, the source and sustainer of life, you who holds in unity and harmony the multiple parts for the entire cosmos, we thank you and praise you for your love for your wisdom, for your kindness and mercy. Give us courage and strength to follow your way and to be your witnesses to the ends of the earth so that the world may know your love. Lord, hear our prayer. We offer to you our prayers for the church, the city and country. We ask for leaders to seek your guidance in forming policy and give them wisdom to see far-ranging implications of daily decisions. We are too impatient, wanting what we want now rather than waiting for your wisdom. We ask for patience and for your will to be carried out. We pray for the faith of your church that people can turn to you in times of need and feel your presence, that as the church buildings begin to open, they can do so safely and provide a welcoming space of worship to you. Lord, hear our prayer. Almighty God, there are people in your world hurting, fighting a virus, fighting feelings of being overwhelmed, fighting keeping jobs, fighting isolation. We humbly ask for your discernment to help us find and reach out to people struggling. We pray that the Spirit bring your sense of peace to those in need. Lord, hear our prayer. We take a moment in the silence to offer prayers of our hearts to you, remembering to thank you for joyful moments, as well as to bring you the burdens we carry. Lord Jesus Christ, you are our way to life, justice, and peace. In you we are called to find our unity. Come into the brokenness of our lives and land with your healing love. Erase the old resentments and prejudice and allow us to help build bridges between people of different faiths, races, and ideologies. Jesus modeled for us that ability to interact with others regardless of class, gender, or occupation. With your guidance, we can hope to further your love in our community. Lord, hear our prayer. Holy God, we ask that you hear the people, the prayers of the people who call upon you, and grant that we may both perceive and know what things we ought to do, and also that we may have the grace and power to faithfully fulfill your purposes Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thank you for making time to join our Wednesday worship as part of your daily devotion. We'll begin a new series next week, thinking about the parable of the Good Samaritan. Please join us again. Until then, go in peace and may the grace of Christ attend us. The love of the correcting God surround us. The Holy Spirit keep us, this day and forever. Amen.